This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. The following program is based on actual events. The names have been changed to protect the innocent, along with the locations, events, order of events, words, and entire story. Okay, basically, we made the whole thing up. So sue us. Actually, please don't. We blew our last time recording this promo. So that would be a waste of time. Unless you actually sued us, then we did a story based on that actual event, made some money, then paid you. Then that program would be based on actual events. For now, this is Funny People Talking. Hi, I'm Ben Lilly, one of the co-founders of Caveat, and I would much rather be at the pharmacist getting medication for this cough than uh, listening to funny people talking. <coughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking. I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of your hosts, and uh, unfortunately, Danielle is not here with us today. She was called away at the very last minute, um, and she went running. I don't know who called her, but someone called her, and, and she's not here. So anyway, we miss you, Danielle, and but I am very fortunate. Anyway, this is one of those great moments where I get to co-host directly with our producer, Elsie. Hi, Elsie. Hi. Happy New Year. This is our first show that we've done since before Christmas, actually. What a great holiday season it's been, uh, and it's good to see you. How are you? I'm all right. I haven't seen much of you lately. Yeah. Uh, what you been up to since Christmas? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but anything mm. exciting? No. All right, then. Good good coverage there. Oh, you know what we did do, though? What? So our last show before this was the Latina Christmas oh, yeah. special yeah. show. Yeah. And that was a kind of our de facto holiday show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we went. We went. We you saw were, those you and I went funny together. ladies, yeah. And it was, was a great, cool. it was a great time. It was a great time. It was wacky, man. Wacky. They're very talented. And and they're a good blend of different personalities and different stories and different types of humor. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, good. that episode with the uh, Latina Christmas special. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, to our listeners, if you haven't heard that one, definitely go back and hear it. It's it's a uh, it's lots of fun. It's also our most popular episode ever by wow. far. So uh, there's something about the 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 combination of Latina Christmas special. Altogether, that seems to be a winning formula. Well, they have a lot of followers. Like, they have fans upon fans upon fans. And now they're bi-coastal. Very nice. I was thinking of having a French Halloween special and see how that flies. No. <laughs> no. No. Okay. The Fam- producer has spoken. Famously into Halloween, that, French people. Uh, they are. Le <laughs> Uh, that voice you hear is Mr. Ben Lilly. He is our guest today. Hello. And how lucky are we? Ben, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, a bit on the, the last minute side, uh, kind of uh, was searching for a cool, we decided to record, kind of thinking about different guests we could have. I, I kind of stumbled a little bit across Caveat, loved what you guys are doing. Can't wait to cool. talk about it. Yay. And uh, and and maybe even explore, I'm going to put my cards on the table, how uh, what we're doing here with funny people talking might even uh, find a way to collaborate. So, uh, but uh, Ben Lilly is a co-founder and a CEO of Caveat, which uh, its its uh, tagline is "Making Entertainment Smarter." We're going to find out what the hell that means and what you guys are doing. I happen to know, but you will discover <laughs> it soon. Uh, but also, that is hardly it. 
Ben is also a physicist turned storyteller. Uh, he, he kind of a um, he kind of also became a mixer of academics and performance. He is uh, a founder of the Story Collider, a former TED writer and a Moth Story Slam champion. He also has a certificate um, uh, for improv uh, studies and, and, and performance. He's been around the block on the improv thing, and he's just an interesting freaking guy. We're going to find a lot more about him coming up, but I, uh, I have a feeling he ain't going to disappoint. So, And I, I want to figure out how he and his co-founder, Kate Downey, ended up collaborating on, on Caveat. That I, I have a feeling – I don't know that story, but I have a feeling there's something interesting about there's it. There's a story. Awesome. I we've never told it on a podcast before. <clears throat> well, there we go. Bingo, bango. Breaking news. It is. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, but before, so looking forward to that, uh, yeah. we're, of course, ahead as usual. We're going to catch up a little bit. We're going to play an improv game, a brand new improv game. And uh, we we pretty much play improv games we've made up on this show. Mm -hmm. uh, they are probably generally somewhat genetically connected to variations on existing improv games that many people play, but they're our own unusual take on them usually. Cool. Uh, and then, um, and then uh, we'll find out all about uh, what Ben Lilly is about and more about caveat. And then of course, our very first end of show food for 2020. Can't wait to see uh, how Elsie's going to kick the year off. Is it a good one? It's not rat. It's <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> uh, again, we miss you, Danielle. But before we start, I do have a question for you, Elsie. What? I noticed when you came in, you had a pet chihuahua. It's not mine. It's not yours. No. Well, the reason that I thought it was so interesting is the chihuahua was completely covered with little bells all the way around, like, like kind of clipped to its, its fur. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it didn't seem to be bothering, but boy, was it making a racket. Yeah. So do you have any idea, but it's looked like it came in with you. Yeah. So what's that about? It's my neighbor's. It's your neighbor's chihuahua. Yeah. She adopted it. And, um, she's <clears throat> not very well-sighted human being. <laughs> So, so she's stuck bells all over it so she can always know where it is so she doesn't step on it. A single bell would have not sufficed? No. Why? why, why she's kind of OCD. Oh, so if you're going to put one bell and you got to even she, it out? Well, you know, she has to cover it and make sure it's really dinging. <laughs> okay. She's kind of a dingy broad. Oh. No, it's a dingy dog. It's a dingy dog. No. But anyway, yeah. So that's my neighbor's dog. And, <laughs> okay. I'm, and I'm dog sitting because she's uh, out of town. How are you sleeping with that dog? I mean, I, I don't sleep with the dog. Well, I know you don't sleep with the dog. How is none of your business doing with the dog? None of your well, business is Elsie's cat. Mm. None of your business is usually out. Oh, playing in his jazz, jazz band. Jazz mm -hmm. band. Yeah. Uh, so um, – her her cat plays in a jazz band. Yeah. That's that's normal. Yeah, he plays saxophone. Uh, saxophone. So, but but so, d does this dingy dog keep you awake? No, I shut the door. Okay, <laughs> poor dingy dog. Uh, all right. Well, that was a reasonable explanation. She for that. just said I had to take care of it. She didn't say I have to love it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Could it join the band with the bells? If it could keep time, I suppose. That's, but that's not up to me. That's up to none of your business. So, and he knows he's there. So, <laughs> all right. I am, we'll see. 
I am going to, um, uh, on the show, usually when Danielle is here, she has a nerd You tip. didn't ask me the name of the dog. Oh, what's the name of the dog? Tinkerbell. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> oh, you know, if you just clap your hands a few times, mm. what happens when you clap your hands for Tinkerbell? Lights go on and off. <clears throat> oh, because of your uh, clapper? You have the clapper? <laughs> <laughs> no. Of course not. <laughs> no, it's I just installed like on the dog. <laughs> do you, but then why do the, the lights go on and off with the clapping? Because I'm full of crap. And they don't. I just said that. So you have the crapper? <laughs> the crapper and the clap. Crap. Crap. The crapper. Okay. Uh, thanks for that explanation. Now, usually, uh, Danielle has a nerd tip that we launched the show with. Uh, I'm not going to put you in the position of having to do a nerd tip unless you happen to have one handy. I know that you're super into food. Everyone that knows you knows that. So I want to, I want to see if I can challenge you to offer a food tip. Just the tip. Food tip. Ooh. Always clean your plate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, a cooking. I, I, okay, here's okay. one. I got, right. I got you. Uh -huh. If you didn't like something when you were little and you haven't tried it since, you should try it again because your palate changes. Huh. There you go. Food tip. You might be missing out on something that's your next favorite food. So what's, I've actually had people, you know, experience that. What's something that you ate as a child that you didn't care for that you tried again as an adult and now you love? Bacon. Really? Yeah. How Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Yeah. What so I, I didn't like it because of the texture. I didn't like it. I only liked it if – well, as an adult, I learned I like it well done, very crispy and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know. You know, when you're a kid, you don't yeah. know what to ask for or how to change something like that because right. you you're not cooking and you don't know how to describe what it yeah. is necessarily. So – but um, yeah, I've had – the biggest thing I find is um, people say they hate cheese and oh. there's so many kinds of cheese. And so I say, well, when's the last time you had cheese? And they're like, when I was five, I was sick. And I guess they associated the cheese with their illness, which is probably not true. But mm -hmm. so they try cheese and they find they love it. And they find out there's all kinds. There's soft, there's hard, there's mild, there's stinky, mm -hmm. there's whatever. So, yeah. All right. So you uh, never know what you're missing. What about you, Ben? Is there a food that you didn't care for as a child, but you did give it another go as an adult and it worked out for you? Kind of, maybe I'm thinking there's one that goes the other way, which is growing up. I loved borscht, which is weird. I grew up in Oregon. There's no reason for it. But uh, and now as an adult, I'm just like, eh, I don't hate it. It's just fine. Uh -huh. Man, maybe as a kid, I was into it. On it. Yeah. My mom borscht. made us eat carrot sticks a lot during a oh. certain periods. So and now I'm like kind of over them. My what? mom would freeze uh, peas in a bag and then tell me they were green candy. Oh. Yeah, it's clever. She's wow. real proud of herself. So for your that one. bar for candy was pretty low as a child. <laughs> you must have tasted like a Tootsie Roll when you were fifteen, and go, "What uh, the hell?" Yup. <laughs> oh, she is so proud of herself for that one. Oh, she that's tells pretty that story smart. All the time. Yeah, that's pretty smart. Um, yeah, I think Brussels sprouts for me is one that I was pretty surprised. I like, I like them now. I will say, I don't like them just like broiled, but. You know, if you do like what they put the, like the vinegar on them or whatever, the balsamic, balsamic, mm. yeah, vinegar, yeah, and stuff like that on them and broil mm. them or whatever they do now. Honey and balsamic and maybe like yeah, chili, pretty, huh? yeah, it's little nice. chili oil or chili paste or something. There's a restaurant my wife and I like to go to, a pub that makes amazing Brussels sprouts. They also serve, 
I don't know if this will hit your hit you between the eyes here, Ben. Mm-mm. They serve a blueberry chipotle chicken wings, hmm. and they are to die for. Yeah, I could see that. Surprisingly, and then like the blueberries are, are often just sort of draping off the pile mm. of wings, and oh yeah. Anyway, um, you know what, Elsie? Why don't you tell me to start the show? Why don't you start the show? <laughs> okay, a little energy and motivation there. Here we go. From the Mouth Media Network Studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Danielle Beckman, and Elsie. Hey everybody, funny people talking. We here with Ben Lilly. Uh, he is a physicist turned storyteller <laughs> turned. I don't even know what he's turned, but he's turned into something, and we're going to find out. It's just spin in circles. It's spin it's in good. circles. But he probably knows something about the centrifugal force of that. Of that yep, yep. That, that circle. Elsie, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot been going on in the world lately. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been affecting you the most? Do you think? Um, I guess just. Are you watching politics? No. Are you paying attention to the Um, weather? Well, yeah, I ask what the weather is every day, but it's usually wrong. You know, that's one of those jobs that you can't really get fired from if you're wrong every day. Really? Haven't you noticed? Well, it is a dual Weatherman's wrong a lot, but he's still there. (laughs) I know. When do we start saying weather person? I don't know got to be its point in time. Yeah. I just I, – I don't look at stuff on social media I, so much because I don't want to see all that garbage. I just say weather app. It's yeah. not a person anymore. Yeah. Well, it's Alexa to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the questions I ask every morning to Alexa. Alexa, what's the weather? By the way, anyone playing this on their speaker, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, asked Alexa today <laughs> – apparently today when we're, they were recording this is National Bubble Wrap Day. Cool. So I said, hey, Alexa, um, happy bubble wrap day. I think I said it and it went, thank you. Pop, pop, pop. Oh, jeez. Who thinks of this stuff? Who, oh, who at Google is going, all right, Amazon. we got to have, or, or Amazon, excuse yeah. me. See? <laughs> Branding's just not strong enough yet. I just didn't know it. <laughs> there enough. are different kinds of evil. We, we will get into that in a minute. Okay. Um, but you have so, to be very specific. You can't just say what's the weather to her. That's true. Or it. Because if you just say what's the weather, it doesn't tell you if it's going to rain. You have to say, is it going to rain? That's true. I can't tell you how many times I forget to ask that. It's like, is it going to rain? Got to ask that. Because otherwise, that thing's not going to tell you. (laughs) It's going to just tell you the temperature. That's right. It's true. Um, And now Alexa's got that dumb thing that it's it's doing, which is like, um, have a nice day. Or something yeah. like that, right? I hope you have a nice day. And I'm yeah. like, that's good, like, one time. Mm. You know. Um, all right, what about uh, subway experiences? Anything happened to you? I mean, I haven't seen you in weeks. Yeah. Nothing has happened to you in all that time. Except no. for the, the the dinghy dog. Right. I had something happen yesterday, I think it was. So, I'm famous. Or, I'm not famous. I'm <laughs> no- notorious would be a better word. For um, 
for interactions with the homeless. Not like a horrible way, mm-hmm. but like, okay, so one happened to me yesterday. So I'm, 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 I go to Whole Foods and get something to eat or whatever, and I see this this homeless guy walking around. I assume he's homeless. I guess I always assume they're homeless. Just because it's a beggar doesn't mean they're homeless, I guess. It just may mean they're industrious. I don't know. But uh, – and he's like – Please, please give me some, give me some money. I'm hungry. I need to eat. Really, like pathetically, like that, you know. Please, and um, and I'm not like making fun of him. That's kind of how he was. And I'm just like, man, this guy's really desperate. I have a heart. So I went in and I grabbed a banana, and he and he had even come into the Whole Foods and was begging inside there to the people, right? Which means he's really like. He's he's going the full entrepreneurial route here. Like he's not sticking out on his turf. He's coming right into the retail store to 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 where people are already spending money. So I walk out with the banana and I come to him, excuse me, and he kind of gets startled and he turns to me just for a second, like side eyes me. And I go over and I go, here's some food. And and he goes, No. And I go, Here's some food. You were begging, saying you're hungry, here's food. And, you know, it's a completely unpeeled banana. Nothing can be wrong with it, right? I'm walking right out of a store. <clears throat> and he turned to me. He was, get the F out of here. So mm. say it that way. And, and I'm like, but here's food for you. And he was, get the F away from me. Get away from me. And I, I, it's not that this shocked me because I have experienced, as maybe all of, of us have, People are not always delighted for you to give them food, even though they're asking for food because they just want the money for mm-hmm. other purposes. But I was shocked that he didn't even just like take it to make me go away huh. or he didn't just say no, thanks or whatever. He was so aggressive to me for trying to do a nice thing for him. I yeah. couldn't believe it. What if it's a mental health? I mean, oh. a lot of that is mental health problems, like some triggered something, uh, which is, yeah. Un, 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 like, like there was a, uh, a, a great traumatic banana moment in mm-hmm. his youth that someone came up to him and attacked him with a banana and that just sent him right into PTSD hell, maybe. Oh. I, I'm being humorous about it, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he fell in like a hole. Like he used to work at a banana factory and fell in a vat and got buried. And I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. Do you think there's a banana story behind that there, Elsie? I don't know. That, that's it? Yeah. Just don't know? Nope. Okay. Uh, I bet you're missing Danielle right about now. <laughs> yeah, right about now. I'm missing her pretty good. No, um, guess what I did for Christmas? Um, Lost your two front teeth? No. I saw Star Wars. Oh. And then went, got Chinese food with my wife. I saw Star Wars with my wife and got Chinese food mm. with my wife. I should just clarify that. Um, did you see the Star Wars yet, Elsie? Yeah. What did you think about it? Did you see it, Ben? I have not. Okay. I'm a terrible nerd. Well, no, no. <laughs> I usually don't see movies right away. I usually see them like three years after they're out. Yeah, yeah. Did, but um, that one I saw because I could. I had time. I enjoyed it. I I don't know that I would say that I walked away from it going, oh my god, that was amazing. I think I went away going, that was pretty good. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. it was a good time. You know what else but I, I, also, I don't read any of the stuff people write about it. Nah. I don't. I don't. Screw them. Uh, did you watch Picard yet? I did. Oh, um, man. I'm excited. I have to say it was a pretty good quality show. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for more. 
I've been catching up on Discovery, and I'm like, yeah, it's an okay show. And oh. I watched Picard, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. This is just like, yeah. You know what it's like to me? Have you, uh, as, a, as, a, as a self-proclaimed mm-hmm. nerd, I, I'm going to guess that you've also watched the uh, the Battlestar Galactica series from a few years ago. Only two or three times through the whole thing. <laughs> um, the, to me, literally sci-fi aside, I really believe that Battlestar Galactica, that, that rebooted series. Do you know the original Battlestar Galactica only lasted one season? Yeah, and it was terrible. It's real bad. But I mean, I didn't realize it was only on for one season. Yeah. But it um and looking back at it, it really is terrible. <laughs> yeah. But uh but what else are you gonna expect from Aaron Spelling or whatever? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um uh the man that made Battlestar Galactica what, what was that Glenn Larson? It might have been Glenn Larson. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. In any event. Sorry sorry whoever I, I've singled <laughs> out that wasn't associated. Um but I really believe that the newer Battlestar Galacta, and listen, folks, if you've never seen this show, sci-fi aside, this literally might be one of the best TV series made in the last, say, 20 or 30 years. Um, right, right up there with like Breaking Bad and and other cinematic where every episode is like its own incredible feature film. Beautifully acted, incredible design and production and uh, and just world class, and they to me they from a from a special effects standpoint completely reinvented space imagery and battles and stuff like that, and and brought you into it in a really interesting way. Because what happens is like in the space battles, in addition to them just being like incredible special effects, they do this sort of shaky camera and 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 quick zooms and stuff and. And really, an interesting new approach to it. The same way that like yeah. um, J.J. Abrams did like the the, the lens, lens flares flare. and stuff, and that, <laughs> but that created a new look. And yeah, well, they were one of the first, I think, dramas to introduce the the notion that it was a handheld cam to like make it feel documentary like. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, exactly, right. Yeah. So, so um... also the scoring, Bear McCreary is unbelievable. Oh yeah, incredible. I didn't know this. Who did it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, incredible. The reason I brought it up is Picard feels similar yeah. to me where it's that cinematic, beautiful storytelling. Well, and uh, spoiler, the evil things are the robots. I mean, we don't know yet, but. No. Uh, well, there's robots yeah. anyway. Yeah, there's, there are there's robots. Artificial or whatever they call them, synthetics. Mm-hmm. So um, I apologize to all of you who have no interest in this conversation at all, but uh, that's what we do here. <laughs> we're just, no, we're going to talk about that the entire rest of the time. That's right. Yep. Now, really, I feel bad that Danielle's not here. This is right up her lane, too. <laughs> so, um, okay. Uh, maybe. I like Foxy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> almost, almost, almost as good a, a sound effect as from uh, Buck Rogers. Uh, beep, 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 beep. No, I don't like that. No, no. I, I forget what that that character's um, name was. Do you know what that character's name was? I don't think I've ever seen it. You never saw Buck Rogers? Oh yeah, my terrible man! Nerd. Nah, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. You can't watch them all mm-hmm. with Gil Gerard. <laughs> that was a um, a strange show, but uh, but I watched it. I enjoyed it. Did you hear they might remake uh, Quantum Leap? No. Why? Yes. I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm really getting sick of people rebooting stuff that shouldn't be. There's nothing new. 
I so know. annoying. Wait, is, is, are they gonna, is what's his name going to start it again? Because that would be Scott the funniest Bacula. part. Scott Bakula. Yes. So, so yes. What, what, More Scott Bakula. They're actually, they were talking, from what I saw, with Scott Bakula and Dean um, Dean uh, Stockwell, hmm. who were the original stars mm-hmm. of Quantum Leap, about, about reprising their characters. Now, I don't know if that's for the run of the series, to kick off the first episode, oh, maybe Scott Bakula will play the equivalent of the Dean Stockwell character. Who knows what wow. they'll do? So, I mean, like in Battlestar Galactica, one of the original stars, yep. um, can't think of his name, but he played Apollo in the original series. He came back and he played a different character uh, through a good deal of the series. The, um the the villain criminal criminal guy yeah um, I remember his name is Tom Zarek yeah there you go. I only remember that because I have one of my best friends his name is Zarek that's the only <laughs> reason that I would catch on to that um so anyway um if you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica you should if you haven't watched Picard yet Star Trek Picard you should because mm-hmm. honestly maybe you don't even have to be a Star Trek fan to enjoy it I don't think so um, there's nothing fan servicey in there and if you great. haven't watched uh buck rogers in the <laughs> 24th century or whatever it's called 25th century um don't worry about it there's better shows on <laughs> uh all right maybe it's time for an improv game i have a new game i'd like to try it's called play by play and it, the idea is that uh since we have three people here two people will be play by play announcers uh just like you'd see in an NFL game or any other game. And they're doing play-by-play for an everyday, ordinary activity. Uh, and maybe Elsie and I will start it out together. We'll do do the play-by-play. And what I need from you, uh, Ben, is an everyday, ordinary activity that would be akin to cutting your toenails mm. or um, whatever, whatever suits you. I don't want to limit your... Uh, your options here and uh elsie and i will do a play-by-play as if it is the most incredible sporting event ever all right uh you the person is uh crossing 14th street all right got it hello everybody and welcome to a cross bowl here in new york city uh i'm mark rico and with me as always uh right to my left is elsie Elsie, we've got a hell of a crossing game today. Yeah. So, uh, Elsie, that's great color commentary there for sure. Uh, all right, coming up to the crosswalk, uh, it looks to be a, uh, uh, a male, approximately 15 to 16 years old. Looks in great shape. Yeah. Uh, definitely. <laughs> I see how this is going. Coming up to the curb now, uh, it looks rather crowded across the crosswalk. I'm not sure exactly when he's going to make his... Oh, it looks like he is uh, launching from the curb. No, no, it was a false start. It appeared to be just a stretch. Uh, Elsie, uh, that looks like one of the best stretches I've seen in ages uh, on this particular course. Maybe. So, uh, the... uh, (laughs) Things are out there, Elsie. I'm waiting for my turn. Okay, so he's... uh, Oh, he is launching across the crosswalk, taking wide steps, wide steps. He's uh, he's approaching the middle. But he's oh, got to stop. He's got to stop. He does Bicycle to... riding in the lane the wrong way. That appears to be a foul for sure. No, Bicycle almost hit him. The referee, uh, amazingly, the referee is not called a foul. 
We're still in play. He's still crossing. I don't know where that bicycle came from. Crossing guard, uh, traffic cop, useless. Traffic cop was Not even looking the useless. direction of the way that, that the just, people need him. That just seems to be the way things seem to be going these days, isn't it, Elsie? It Always. Never seems to be a great call when you need it. And they've done away with the instant replay here on uh, Cross Bowl this year, which uh, is unfortunate. Because it's, well, yeah, because it was such an exciting thing to have those replays. It was. So uh, here we go. Uh, he's he's past the halfway mark. He's almost across. And it looks like, uh-oh, it looks like a woman has lost her balance and is uh, interfering with him. He's going to have to step out of the way. It does look like he might just clear. Oh, it's a complete body check. Looks like groceries have gone everywhere. Everyone's going to have to step over all that stuff. It, it appears they may be stopping the clock for this one. We are stopped at five seconds to go in this incredible game. I, I've never seen Cars are going like to run this. over the groceries. It does appear. There are cars approach. Oh, it looks like he's gotten up. He's picked up the last of the groceries. The woman's on her way. He's almost across the street. And there he goes. He's so close. He's in. He's going. He's going. He has crossed the street. Completed. Completed the crossing. And it's a score. It is a score. We've never seen anything like this. And that is the end of the game, everybody, right here at Crosswalk 2020. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, Elsie, but I'm exhausted. What a game. So, there you go. I might be more exhausted than you, but... Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty tired. Yeah, I'm going to explain a lot. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, we'll see you here next week as we uh, graduate from crosswalking to dog walking. It's going to be well, dog more, walk 2020. Yes, with a special appearance by the Dingy Dog. Uh, well, that's, the, uh, that's the halftime show. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, that's it. So, uh, just a little... Uh, you know, getting the listeners excited. Oh, yeah. Now that the game is completed and you pipe in finally, yeah. The um, dog walking, there's going to be all kinds of stuff like other dogs, how they interact with the dogs, babies, strollers, skateboarders, picking up the poop. Yeah. Lack of trees in New York City. All of that would have been so much more earlier in the game. Yeah, well, you started it, though. Yeah, yeah well, I had no chance. No chance. No chance. Yes, that's what happened. I never threw it to you. Mm-hmm. You never piped in. Anyway, uh, for uh, for Elsie, I'm Mark Rico here at Cross Bowl 2020. Have a great day, everybody. Drink Budweiser. <laughs> All right, thank you for that, Elsie. I guess. So uh, anyway, so that was one round of play-by-play. Uh, it so, was hysterical. <clears throat> it was hysterical. It was great. So uh, how about Elsie? You give me and Ben. We'll we'll try sure. it again. Ben, you can take the lead on this a little bit if you like. Uh, and uh, why don't you give us an everyday activity that we can uh, we can make we can make exciting? <laughs> Riding up and down the elevator in your office building. Sure. All right. Uh, Welcome to the Elevator Marathon. Uh, I'm Ben, here with Mark. Yeah, what a day here in Detroit. Oh, they are getting warmed up on the ground floor. I see coffees in every hand. People are fueling up to go up for the first uh, lap. Uh, And we're waiting for someone to push the button. People are making small chalk. Yeah. I don't think they've noticed that no one has pushed it yet. You know, when you don't push the button, sometimes the elevator doesn't come. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to push the button, and it'll light up, and then First the thing elevator they teach you. comes. First thing they teach you. 
and we're looking at all the players and oh it looks like one of them has just noticed he excused himself from the small talk conversation and pushed the button so we are officially go we are officially oh and an interesting development uh the uh, red air lady has also come forward and pushed the button although the light was already indicated yes someone had pushed it you gotta push it twice it does nothing else but you gotta do it it there's really no physical proof that that accelerates the elevator's arrival though but people still do it uh, anyway, oh, and, oh Peter, and here it is. Yep. Elevator doors have opened. There is a ding. It's it a very was good a ding. ding for sure. Uh, definitely a ding. Well, among mm-hmm. the better dings I've seen yep. or heard, I guess the expression. You can me. see them if you have synesthesia. <laughs> That's some true. some of the players do that <laughs> gives them an advantage. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, one of them is no. Yep, no. He's no. They are fighting over who's going to go first. Uh, oh, looks like the red-haired lady has decided it's going to be her, and she is first in the elevator, and everyone else follows in an orderly fashion. Now, interestingly, she waited for the other people to get in before she turned around, which is an unusual strategy mm-hmm. that we don't usually see deployed this early in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not all facing the right way, and we're just waiting for the elevator door to close. Yep. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Ben, sometimes uh, some elevators close uh, more quickly than other elevators, and then there are those that close so quickly you almost take your arm off. Yep, and there's some that just sit there, and you're like, "Are they broken?" And I think maybe it's broken, and then it starts to close. Uh, and then, is... whoop, oh, and then there comes another player to hold the door. Well, geez, moving that, it back open. That's a surprise for sure. Yeah. Uh, late entry to this game that we did not expect, and interestingly, he's a rather small person. Mm-hmm. So I think anyone looking ahead might have missed him coming if they weren't looking down that could have been dangerous we could have another injury just like we did in 74 yeah uh, so anyway you yeah, uh, don't want that one again doors have closed doors and have cl- it looks like we're on our way now players are pushing the buttons i see a three a seven a 13 24 a 12 now that's a surprise 12, they yeah, don't no. get 12 very often no. these days it seems to be a, a clever move there i wonder if the coach pete russell had mm-hmm. uh, had, had, had rustled that one up <laughs> uh, uh, bringing back the old 12 yeah so anyway uh yeah it looks like uh three definitely is the first stop three there is now, the smallest number now who's yeah. going to get out on that sometimes uh one person pushes the button and then more than one person gets off and right. you don't expect that uh looks like uh, doors have opened and uh, i don't know ben now uh, you see this coming this new play here well it looks like we've got uh nope just the one person getting out this was a uh, straighter normal playing Nothing surprising on this one. Yeah. Uh, one person got out, went over towards their office, and uh, that's it for them. They're they're out of the game. And the doors have closed again. Looks like uh, that first play was not a score, but it was a very good first effort. Definitely advanced forward on mm-hmm. the field. Uh, next up, we've got up number seven. seven. I yeah, yep. this up. seven. Floor seven. seven. Interestingly, though, it does appear the elevator slowing, but the number seven's not lighting up. Oh boy. It may Got a be a lamp. technical issue, and it may have to hold the play. Oh, my man. Um, no, it, it looks like they're they're moving on, and doors are opening. They're going to live with the technical difficulty. It doesn't seem to be affecting the game. You know, sometimes the bulb is out. Players are adapting, changing their strategy to deal with the fact that the light's not on. But uh, I don't see anyone getting out. Yeah, that's no, a very no surprising move. I noticed that as well. No one getting Oh, Some, you know what it is? Someone Here put, comes someone getting on. Uh, I didn't expect that, but they had pushed the button, yep. which is the strange thing. Yep. Someone anticipated Oh, this maybe play. they're doing a sneak See, play yeah, where somebody it is, is crept at floor seven. It, it might be a blitz of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're moving again, and it uh, looks like we're coming up to 11. Um, um, and it's... Uh, 
Oh, that is unexpected, Ben. Unexpected entirely. The elevator has not stopped at the indicated floor. Oh. And wait a minute. It appears there's a problem. The problem, the elevator. Hold on. We're getting some information here from down on the field. Um, Flag out of play. <laughs> the elevator has stopped. It appears that there is a technical malfunction. This will be a reversal and a hold for five minutes for a response. Well, it does appear that the uh, there has been an unusual circumstance. Not unheard of, though. This does happen from time to time. It does. It does. Uh, bounce once every 500,000 trips on the elevator, I, I believe. <laughs> exactly. And they are pushing the emergency bell, which mm. I don't really know exactly what that's supposed to do, but it might be to distract the other players, man. Yeah. Uh, all the noise, the ringing, the waiting to see if anyone's going to pick up at the other end. And they're moving again. Ah. Moving again, coming to 12. Doors open, and the remaining players have exited. And the last one is the, the red-haired uh, the, lady. The red-haired lady, oh, which... She uh, played which it perfectly. She did. She, she's been a, a, a consistent player throughout the game from beginning to end. She's made her mark. I think she's a real possibility she may be the MVP. I think so. You know, not turning at the beginning. That that does it. You know, that always, that always used to throw me when I played pro. So, no. uh, anyway, uh, we have uh, made it to 12 today. Red Air Lady is the MVP. That's it for Elevator Bowl, I guess. Yep. Elevator Marathon. Yeah, we switched games in the middle. Brought to you by Bic. <laughs> <laughs> the best lighter. In all the circumstances. It's not for elevators. closed elevator, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Hey, Ben, that's how you're doing. Fantastic. That that's play-by-play. Elevators. You guys had a 13th floor in your elevator, We right? did. We yeah. did, but we that's chose rare, to. But you chose 12th floor as rare. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, then we'd have to go into the sequel and the hell dimension comes in. Exactly. It's all a big exactly. problem. It's the whole, it's the whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I was interested to see if there would be any of those people who are on their phones and then miss their floor. Mm. Yeah, I was waiting to see if that happened. That would have been a good idea. I was trying to do a little bit of the, um, uh, uh, oh my God, Madden, John Madden. So here's the trick. I watch approximately zero hours of sports per decade. (laughs) So so, so John's not going to pick up. John Madden, as as announcer, he's very famous, as amazing as he is. For talking through the most basic things, <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, when you trip, you you fall down. Oh, good. <laughs> you good. know, he so, kind of talks like that. It's like you know, sometimes when you don't make it to the goal line, well, there's no score involved. You know, and so <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Nice. But, uh, all right. Cool. Anyway, was that fun. was fun. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thanks for playing. I I think that's a that's possible. It's possible that that game could come back in the future. Um, we have winners and we have losers on this show. <laughs> that wasn't a loser per se. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to learn all about Ben Lilly and all the things that he does in physics, in caveat, in Ted, in everything. Indeed. Indeed. I like that. Right after this. The artist Prince was once known as a symbol. If we were known as a symbol, it would probably be a smear of grape jelly. Or possibly banana pudding. Nope, grape jelly, definitely grape. This is Funny People Talking. (laughs) 
Uh, welcome back, everybody. And before we uh, get started with All About Ben, we have to talk all about Tina. As a tradition on this show, we have a great, great desire and intention, a determination, if you will, on this show that someday, somehow, the great and powerful Tina Fey will make an appearance on this show, whether by phone, drive-by, postcard, or actually in one of these seats, one way, somehow. So every show we send out to the comedy gods, we throw it out to the universe, we put our energy out there and pray for Tina Fey. Uh, and uh, you can feel free to join us if you wish, Ben, no pressure. Uh, but uh, Elsie and I will take a moment right now to pray. Oh, comedy gods, please Tina. deliver Tina Fey. Come on the show and promote your It's movie, 2020, don't you think it's time. That's all it takes. We'll do it. Please, we will promote. We'd we love will to have promote. you on the show. Thanks. We'll give our vote to Tina Fey. Tina. Amen. Faye. Thank you. So, uh, Tina, please come on the show. We love you. We really do. You don't know that so much, but I promise you, we can deliver. If you listen to every episode, you'll hear that we mean it. That's it. We really, <laughs> really do. Uh, okay. Ben Lilly. Hello. Hi. So you're on caveat, which we will we will take a look at in just a moment. You are a guy who did this, then did this, then went to this, then went to this. Few so, different things, yeah. So you, you've had a bit of a journey. One thing leads to another, but you take a little piece of what you were before and bring it into the next thing. Yeah, a little bit. It's a good way of putting it. Okay. So my question is, how would you define yourself? Uh, meaning, if there is a through line through these things, what do you think it is? I have always been obsessed with mixing. Uh, it's it's gone through different phrasings, but but obsessed with mixing ideas and science with something to do with entertainment. So actually one of the first things, the, the first play I fell in love with um, back in high school was Arcadia by Tom Stoppard, where he does. I've been in that show. Oh, who were you? Honestly, it's, it's literally been almost 25 years since I did it. So yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to remember. Why don't you go ahead and tell why this show is so important to you and it may give me an opportunity to comment on it. Cause I don't want to. Sure. I mean, it's, it, it's a brilliant, I mean, Stoppard was a genius level playwright and like polymath. he, read and thought about everything. So a lot of his work did this stuff where it would mix in weird, you know, in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. His other super famous one, there's all this stuff about probability and mixed in with existential angst yep. and all these things. And, and so in Arcadia, he takes um, chaos theory and mathematics and the notion of entropy and the heat death of the universe and folds that into this family drama surrounding Lord Byron and poetry. And it also gets mixed up like the, it, so it's split into two parts. There's a modern part and a, um, Victorian part that happened in the same room and you get to see the different mm -hmm. people. And in the modern part, it's historians trying to figure out what had happened in the Victorian part. And it's, he does this beautiful thing where they get part of it right and they get other things completely wrong. And you get to see this uncertainty of historical knowledge while they're talking about the nature of entropy and also who's fucking who and Lord Byron and all of this stuff. And it's just gorgeous mixing of all of these things. Yeah. It is amazing because one of the things I loved about it, um, which I assume was the way it's supposed to be staged, mm -hmm. is the entire thing is in one, one – there's a table in the middle. Yes. And what happens is an item will – it happens in two time frames. And they'll and, pick up the same item. Yeah, you'll, you'll take an item 
in the 1800s or whenever mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. You put it down on the table, and then someone in the 1900s, in their scene, will pick up that same object, and you begin to understand that it's there as a relic. And or, there's layers in that. One of the things they put down is a turtle, and these turtles live that long, so it maybe was the same one. And it's, yeah. Just incredible. And I, and I remember it was one of the most moving shows I was ever in because yeah. there's – Without ruining the ending for anybody, it's a rather tragic ending. It was written 30 years ago. You can spoil it. It's it's a tragic ending. Yeah. It's such a sad, tragic, but beautiful ending. It's also a pun. Like, the, the, this is the thing about stuff. I, I am going to spoil it for the audience. I apologize. Okay. Skip ahead if you want to hear this. But um, so the main character is going on about the notion of entropy, which leads to the, um, the heat death of the universe, which is when everything uh-huh. just sort of fades out. She died in a fire. And so there's there's literally a pun embedded in this tragedy where, yeah, that guy's he's too smart. So so this this show to you inspired. Oh, yeah. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, that's the kind of thing I remember globbing on to. Um, just this this way of mixing the, the humanistic side with the scientific academic side of things. And so um, I did a long detour where I was just a physicist for who. Eight or nine years? I don't know. Um, went to grad school, did a postdoc, and then realized I wanted to do something more humanistic. I wanted to to be around people and doing things, and also the field I was in was dead. That's a whole separate story. Uh. Um, but um, yeah, so I I um, I've always liked the idea of blending. So that that's mm. is the the through line is take something like science and put it in a place where you wouldn't expect where it touches on human emotion or or other things in some way, and mm. make those two things go together. Very cool. By the way, I remember my character's name. Mm-hmm. It was Richard Noakes. Oh, yes. The, oh, the, the uh, gardener. Gar- the garden designer. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, uh, very interesting. Okay. So um, l- let's back up a little bit now. So caveat is your current Correct. primary undertaking. Yep. Uh, tell us how that came to be with your, with your uh, co-founder and why it exists and what you're trying to do. Sure. So we're going to step back a few ways here. So um, I... Is it better if we start at the beginning and lead up to this? Does that make fold sense? it around. I can tell the story in a lot oh, of ways. Yeah, yeah. fold it around. Um, so I, um, so I, I was doing physics, quit in a huff. And if you're really curious, I told that story on The Moth. You can Google it. Um, it it's get, gets mixed in with all kinds of mental health issues and understanding our place in the universe, that kind of thing. Um, but moved to New York, not really knowing what I was going to do, except that it was going to be this kind of writing blending thing. Um, so of course I took improv comedy at UCB. Um, uh, just cause people told me to, I don't know. Um, that was, in, that was in, meant to sound more ridiculous than it, than it came out. But, um, but so I, I did that, found the moth and storytelling and, stumbled along with um brian wecht and aaron barker on this idea of oh we could just do moth style stories but about science and just very Mm. directly do this thing we'd all been wanting to do which is just have people tell true stories about science and get at the emotion that way so that's where the story collider came from um that is now a juggernaut being run by aaron and the new executive director liz neely and then in the middle of that i needed a day job and ted hired me for some reason um uh, and so I got to see what they were doing in this grandiose big scale. Um, this is TED Talks for for people who are wondering why I'm talking about a guy named Ted. Um, and uh, had had sort of built up this experience of looking at different ways of doing performative things about science. And through that had, had gotten in touch with a community of people who were doing things like this. There's something called the Science Festival Alliance. There's um, 
in particular, the, the director of the Bay Area Science Festival at the time was doing all sorts of creative new things. Um, there's a guy in town who runs a thing called Nerd Night, where he has people get up and give short 20-minute uh, talks about things that they are passionate about. Um, and, and through this, got in touch with a lot of scientists who were asking questions like, well, why, you know, we're giving all these science talks. Why aren't more people coming? Why aren't more people, you know, attending? You know, we do these public science events. How do we get audiences? And I, in large part because of my theater and, and comedy background, realized that the answer was that the events were bad. Like they just weren't very good as stage performances. And so um, that led me to this idea that what we really needed was a place where we do science and history talks, but we do it with people who are really good performers and we make it real entertainment, not like not copying stuff, not the B level stuff, but just, mm -hmm. Oh, we're getting people who genuinely know what they're doing. We're going to make a good entertainment product that is also about these deep questions about the universe. Um, simultaneously, Kate Downey, um, had been a Shakespeare and, um, uh, opera director. Um, she joined a company called museum hack, which I don't know if you know these folks, but they, um, they do guerrilla tours originally of the Met, now museums all over the place. Our museums were like, why does no one want to come visit us? And the Museum Hack folks answers, it's because you're boring. Like, make this more interesting. Make it relevant to people's lives. And that's our same answer for Shakespeare people. It's like, why aren't people going to big theater productions? It's not relevant. You got to do some work and get it relevant to people. So she and I had, and then she also simultaneously fell in love with Buzz Aldrin and Elon Musk and started doing space-related stuff. So she and I met sort of in the middle there, like having come from other directions um, and decided there needed to be a place where this is what we do and this is what we focus on. And that if we had the actual venue, uh, we could control the programming and do this all the time, make a home for it in New York and start building out this community of people uh, doing it. So that's why we built Caveat. And how, how do you attract audience members? How, how does that happen? How is you know, are the acts bringing the audience in or do you, do you have a kind of a, a, a repertory, like, like group of, 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 um, you know, regulars. Uh, yeah. Regulars. Yeah. It's both. Um, so we, we book, um, we book a lot of shows. We do at minimum 60 different shows a month. Uh, so a lot of the shows are bringing their audience. It's, it is their job technically to, to bring the audience in, but we do have, uh, at this point, a large number of people who will see shows and just be like, Oh, that seems interesting. And they know our, our programming is highly curated enough that they have a general sense of what they're getting into if they come to a show. Um, so we, we do pretty strongly curate the type of shows that we have, uh, so that people will have that experience. So it's right now, I'd say it's about uh, seventy-five percent the show is bringing in the audience, and twenty-five percent a regular crowd, and you know that number has been going up, and we want it to keep going so, up. So, part of your your uh, vetting of an act will be not just are they a, a good is good entertainment and mm -hmm. and have value in the information they're bringing, but are they in a position to bring a, bring people in yeah. also, yeah. whether they have a marketing mechanism or a following themselves? Correct. How big? How big? How many people do you have to bring in uh, to for a show to be worth being part of your group? Uh, that's such a that's a loaded uh, not loaded, but that's a tough one. But uh, well, I, so the, the benchmarks. Or? Yeah. So it's um we we <clears throat> we tell people they have to bring a minimum of forty. The space itself breaks even at about sixty, and okay. then we fit one forty total. Got it. Got yeah. it. So is it a bit of like a bringer, like you, any number of people that you don't bring under your minimum amount, you, you pay to participate? We or? would be 
well, I was about to say we'd be in a better financial place if we did that, but probably not because that's I, I hate places like that and so do performers. Um, no, it's 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 a bringer model only in the sense that um, we the way we pay people is we split the tickets with them. So the more people come, the more they get paid. Uh, but we don't. Um, aside from sometimes, if honestly. For various reasons, sometimes we'll set a bar minimum just because we know we need to hit a certain number for right. a particular show. But other than that, um, yeah, we will we will not do that. And where's the theater located or where's the venue located? Uh, Lower East Side, Clinton Street, just south of Houston. So it's like, like right in line with Avenue B. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's, oh, there's a whole history there. Um, because that space was the uh, two businesses before us was the final home of the Living Theater. And I don't know if you know who they are, but like imagine – just batshit insane experimental Lower East Side theater where like the show is 30 naked people rolling around on stage and the two of them get up and yell at the audience like that is literally a show that they did um and so they they've been around since the 50s um this building was built in 2007 and they were the first company that was there um until Judith Molina the founder passed away and the company uh, had to move out of the space. Um, and so it was a, another another theater in between that lasted a few years, and then we took it over. But there's there's history in that building. Wow. Um, I assume that you've had an opportunity to go to the House of Yes in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, have you been to their uh, Dirty Circus? I have not. That's an experience I... I it's, I feel like House of we we love House of Yes. Um, we think they do incredible work. Um, to the and we worked with literally worked with some of the people mm-hmm. um, in various capacities. Um, but I feel like we are like mirror universe versions of each other because right. the, so they'll have um, Dirty Circus. Mm-hmm. We run a show called Political Circus, oh, okay. uh, where um, it is literally a circus act, but she is also a uh, political science professor. Um, and so that's, yeah, a lot of stuff that happens at House of Yes has the caveat version, which is just like a different parallel universe kind of thing. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. that yeah. That's so cool. Um, I just hear like, <laughs> she's eating fire and going like, did you know the Continental Congress was uh, it's formed in? not that far off. So <laughs> okay. what she does is she'll do um, – it's Andrea Jones-Roy is her name. She's also a stand-up comedian because she doesn't have enough. But um, she'll do these like 45-minute long comedic mon- monologues essentially about um, – the very first one was about how it's impossible to create a voting system that's fair. Mm-hmm. Just full stop. You just you can mathematically prove that you can never create a fair voting system, which sucks. Um, but it's one of the reasons all voting systems are horrible is it just can't be done. So she'll give that talk. And then in the second half, we, we do some other stuff related to the topic. And then she folds in a circus act. And so like it usually ends with her on a trap. She's mostly a trapeze artist. So it usually ends with her on a trapeze while we have some music video we've created playing, recapping the material that she did. <laughs> and it, And yeah, it goes wild from there. Have you guys been impressed with the press you've gotten, or are you surprised you haven't gotten more? Um, we haven't gotten much lately, and that's actually something we're digging in on because um, we we sort of let it slide for a little bit. But so when we opened, we got some great press. We were very happy. We got some uh, incredible reviews in all the places you'd want to be reviewed. So that went very well. Um, we've done a couple festivals that got some attention. We did uh, ooh, almost a year and a half ago now. Um, we did what we called the Underground Science Festival, um, which was a um, 
basically a, a science festival celebrating people who'd been erased from the history of science. Mm. Um, and that's another thing we do a lot of. Um, but so the women and, and people of color, especially who generally are written out of these histories, we did a big, big celebration of that that got featured in the times in the art section. Um, lately. Yeah. We're, we're rethinking how we pitch stuff, uh, trying to, to ramp that back up. How is this different from story collider? Oh, so it sounds I mean, like the mission yeah. is similar. The mission is very similar, but the Story Collider is a specific show and a very successful one that's now in ten cities across the. Um, but Story Collider is uh, the show is very rigid um, in a good way. So it's five moth style stories in an evening. They get recorded, released on a podcast. They are you know they're all true personal stories. Um, they're all centered around a pivotal moment in somebody's life. It's a very specific thing, and so that that's sort of like. You know, when I was pitching Caveat to people, it was like the the line was, if Story Collider had come out of Caveat, we that would have been a huge success. And so what we're trying to do now is grow other shows um, that are similar in, you know, vibe, mission, but different shows, yeah. different kinds of things. Um, so, so Caveat is trying to be an incubator for things like that. Wow, that is really cool. Um, and then uh, where does Story Slam... Well, that's Moth, mm -hmm. but you are Story Slam, Moth Story Slam champion. Yeah, what is I mean, that's that? one of those resume lines that sounds so much better than, uh, so it's, you, you, so the Moth, um, which is, uh, for listeners who don't know, is a legendary storytelling organization started, I want to say, 97, um, where uh, they originate, they, they didn't originate, but they, they made very popular this format of it's about a 10 minute story that is a true story from someone's life, um, told in this, uh, confessional, um, non-scripted style on stage. Um, so they um, became very successful. So they started hosting story slams, which were modeled after old New York style um, poetry slams, where ten you put your name in a hat, 10 people get called up, you tell a story, and then you get judged. Like people literally hold up, you know, 9.3 or whatever um, uh, things judging you. Um and so if you win that, you're a Moth Story Slam champion. So when I when I first started doing performance in New York, found comedy and then quickly found the Moth, and I just started going every week. Like there was a couple of years there where I was at almost every Moth Story Slam for a long time. Um, won one. I never won. It doesn't say Grand Slam champion because I never won the Grand Slam, um, which is the – so the, once they have 10 winners of the Slams, then they do a Grand Slam, and the winner of that goes on. Um the Aaron Barker who helped found um, Story Collider uh, is a multiple Grand Slam champion, and she is phenomenal on stage. And these are ten long. minute stories you said. Yep. That's a that's a long well, time. To actually, the story. five minutes in the uh, slams. Five minutes. Okay, fascinating. Yeah. Um, I can think of one I could tell in that situation. <laughs> I was trying to think like quickly, like what stories do I have in my life that would really meet up. I can think of one that would would meet that muster, but. I don't think I have 10 in me or whatever, you know, it, it becomes a thing and there's, there's different. So the way the moth, like it's fuel is the fact that everybody has one, everybody has a thing you can talk about. And that's where the main stage, which is their curated series comes from. It's like, everybody has this incredible story that can be brought out and their work. The moth will work with you, their directors and so forth <laughs> oh, right, okay. um, for the main, for the curated one. Um, for the slams, a lot of it is people coming in and just doing their like fun or first one and then there's a community of people who've like learned how to um pull threads on really minor seeming things and pull pull it until you find oh here's the bigger thing that was part of this seemingly small thing that happened 
Um, and that has become a very cool art form. Yeah, that sounds very cool. And how did you end up in New York? Um, I uh, had an existential crisis, quit my job, and realized that without a job, I could live anywhere. So I may as well live in New York. So I moved. Might as well go to one of the most expensive places yep. there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but I, at the time, so I had bounced around. So I did the academic thing. So mm -hmm. I was in Portland for college, and then I moved down to the Bay Area, and then I moved to Chicago. And the crisis happened in Chicago. And then I was like, eh, I want to live in New York. I've never done that. So. So since you've lived in New York, mm -hmm. other than what you've created, mm -hmm. what is the coolest thing that ever happened to you here in the city? And if tomorrow you mm. think of a different thing, that's fine. <laughs> What's the coolest thing that happened in New York? Oh, man. Well, I sort of have two answers for okay. you. One is that, like, living in New York, things just happen that you don't think about much. Like, my friends right now, I, would, I was just – last night met up with a friend who I haven't seen in a while. Um uh, in part because she got a new job and it's moving. And the reason she got this amazing new professor job is she discovered the med – like, okay, how do I even put this? Basically, she found that people were doing medical research all wrong uh, when they do it on uh, rats and mice. Um, and what they've done – they. This is this is annoying. This is okay. I don't even know where to start with this story. Um, when people do medical research on rodents, they only do it on males because the females go through this estrus cycle that is hard for them to track. And she did studies proving that this was massively skewing all of I've their heard results. About this. Yeah, I've actually heard about yeah. This. this is and so it's like, but the like my the someone I met here randomly at a party. That's what she does. And like the fact that that keeps happening in New York and like it's just like. Yeah, one of my other friends um, is has a startup where she is um, turning ketamine into a um, treatment for PTSD. Like, it's just like, yeah, sure, why not? Of cool. course. Yeah. You know, my first year here, um, I got a job. Uh, I came here as an actor, mm -hmm. and I got a job walking around in a costume dressed like the New Year's ball. It was <laughs> called Bury the Ball. It was for this – organization that put on these new year's parties in different cities mm -hmm. and it was made by the jim henson people mm -hmm. which was cool and i walked around dressed as actually i look like a big grenade and i was walking around and interacting <laughs> like, that's with not people gonna work in a kind out. of like man on the street improv way you know like you might see on like the tonight show or something right but my point is is that no one batted an eye right no one was like, oh, my God, look yeah, at no. that. No, it was no, just, that's like, just a thing. It's just a thing. I'll tell you, the only thing I ever saw on the street in New York that, like, shocked me uh, was uh, in Times Square seeing a police officer with a machine gun. And that was the that was the one where I'm like, oh, oh, just oh that's like, oh, That's where we are. Like, that That is different. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, no, I mean, I, I was in the village the other day, and there's this guy walking down the street, and he has this, like, speaker system attached to him. Yeah. And... It's just on a loop playing this thing, which I assume was his voice, just going poop, fart, fart, fart farting, pooping, pooping, farting, farting. It just it constantly like as he went down the street. I think way? it must have been, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, that's that's a thing. Interesting if that were performance art, mm -hmm. however skewed or individually <laughs> of interest. Yeah. Um, I think about that moment when that person said, you know what I should do? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know be interesting? Yeah. And a real view into the, the human psyche yeah. or whatever. A commentary of yep. sorts. Um, and that, that was the grand the thing, plan yeah. that was launched and yep. executed. Um, hilarious. Uh, how – oh, so the question I was leading up to yep. was um, – so you – physicist, mm -hmm. particle physicist, mm -hmm. yes. Um, 
and and obviously you've been involved with a number of things. Now you're doing caveat and this amazing thing that you're mm-hmm. you're attached to a piece of what you were doing and a piece of who you are now mm-hmm. and put it together. Do you have your eye on something other than growing caveat to everything it can be and more? Well, so the thing is, I realized I love starting new things, building new things, and like reinventing things. So part of the reason we designed Caveat the way we did as this experimental space growing new shows is so that I could stay in one place and keep doing that. So it's designed to let me build new things constantly. So the hope and the idea is to never leave Caveat because I can scratch this itch for always making yeah. new things. It's a lab. It's always that, evolving and changing. Yeah. So I have, new sh- I have new shows that we're trying to build and like new new things we're doing there all the time. And that's sort of the point. I, the, I will say we – we don't think small. And so the plan has always been develop these shows in ter- like in, in New York and then send them out into the world, uh, whatever that means, except that what that means right now is um, we're launching out a bunch of things as podcasts soon. So we're, we're getting into publishing and, and all of that. Now, question about the name, which I'm sure you've gotten mm-hmm. before, but the definition of a caveat mm-hmm. dictionary-wise is a warning or – proviso of specific uh, stipulations, conditions, or limitations. I- ironically. Limitations. <laughs> it, it, limitations. Limitations. Well, that's going on our business. Well, 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 what I'm saying is, is that doesn't seem to me to align with what you guys are doing. So what, so, what was the thinking about that word caveat as, as your name, given the fact that what you're really doing seems to be the opposite? Yeah, it's. I'm still stuck on lamentation. I cannot. Uh, that is amazing. Um, you can tell I didn't read the dictionary when we named it. Um, uh, we struggled a lot with the name, as I'm sure you know from naming anything. It's it was a con like a year long process. So it, the original idea for that became caveat was October 2015. Signed a lease in uh, August of 2016. We still hadn't named it. It was still called. The first name was Origin. Mm. So it's still called Origin at that point. I think we had our, our LLC, which so legally were the Idea Distillery LLC, which was just a thing we made up and put on the papers. Um, and I had been going back and forth. So I wanted to call it Origin, which partly because like we were growing things, partly because it referenced the origin of species. And all my friends were like, that doesn't sound like no. Um, and so generated many, many lists of potential names for a while. I liked the idea of the beagle, which again, there was this whole evolution thing because of Darwin and the beagle. But then everyone was like, that That just sounds like an Irish pub. Like, that just sounds like an <laughs> English pub. Um, so when, and at one point, we got it. We, like, had the right answer. We we're going to call it the blue marble Yeah. Um, after that photo from space. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, no, that's that's that ice cream company in Brooklyn. I'm like, yeah, it, Damn it. it is. Um, we could serve and, blue marble here? Yeah. Would that work? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, Eventually, I I actually took – I was part of this writer's group. Um, here's another New York thing. I was part of this writer's group that was a mix of um, scientists and uh, writers, like journalists and MFA writers, and they got together and blah, blah, blah. But so like you could bring stuff to workshops. So I literally brought – named my company to this workshop. We got nowhere. We spent the whole session on it. Um, and at the end, my friend – I don't remember why. I think we'd been kicking around ideas about like, we want some notion of ambiguity. We want some notion of like, you know, you're, you know, there's, there, it's, it exists in this in-between space between all of these things. And also some of my friends in the startup space were telling me all the startup rules for names, which it has to be short. It has to have a hard yeah. case out. It has to have like, there's all these rules that people use in that space. And just at the end of this session, my friend Rebecca is just like, well, I just call it caveat. And I'm like, 
yeah, let's do that. And that that was where it, it's a great so, name. Yeah. I, that, that's the answer. Yeah. I know. I hear you. Um, it it is connected to this idea of like there's more like it's in it. Yes. Caveat has this sense of danger, which we kind of like Kate and I both like this, this like sense of slight danger it, for a while. We, we have this like entryway where you go through these curtains and we wanted to do like a, um, entryway to hell where there's like the abandon all hope type thing, except we were going to put up there. I think it was, um, uh, a little knowledge. No, wait. Yeah. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing or something like that. Um, or beware, I forget the exact phrasing. Anyway, we we didn't do it when we realized it was um, Alexander Pope, who's actually fairly anti-Semitic. Um, so we're like, let's not put that up there. Um, but yeah, we 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 had this notion of like we we want a little sense of danger. Like this shouldn't be safe. It should be safe in the sense of like we're not being dicks to people, but it shouldn't be safe in the sense that like oh, there's going to be some like challenge to to walking in here. I dig it, man. So so how can people uh, connect with Caveat and with you directly and follow the things that you're doing? Sure. Uh, website is caveat.nyc. Um, our whole calendar's up there. Like I said, we do 60 plus uh, shows a month. So that's a couple a day. Um, you can find us on all the socials at, at Caveat NYC. And then I'm on Twitter mainly at, at Ben Lilly. Very, very good. Well, I'll tell you, you've earned a new... Uh, a new a new t- uh, audience member yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. wife and I are absolutely going to come. I guess Elsie's probably going to come too. We've absolutely. Sure. I, I got to check this out. Cool. It's going to be a good time. Amazing. So what a great night out. And, and there's so many shows. I mean, if you're doing about 60 a month, I yeah. mean, it would take a while to even get through your current offerings, mm-hmm. much less whatever's coming up. So awesome. Um, oh, by the way, b- before we go on, uh, any, uh, maybe you don't want to uh, pick out one of your children mm-hmm. and highlight them, but. Uh, any uh, particular show right now that's just got you jazz that you guys are putting on that just is just so freaking cool? Well, instead of picking one, I'm going to do this rapid fire. Um, we have Nevertheless She Existed, which is uh, stories of women who have been erased from history. Um, we have Astronaut Training, where comedians and astrophysicists compete to be the team that's going to go to Mars or the moon. That one um, caught my eye. And that that one is I... amazing, um, run by Corinne Caputo. She's a classic caveat person. She Her day job is running a space camp for kids, and she's a comedian. Um uh, and then I'll also say we're we're shortly launching our uh, new podcast. Oh, Nevertheless, she existed as a podcast right now as well. And then we're shortly launching our new podcast series, Caveat Multiverse, which is going to be where Kate and I play clips from shows that happened at Caveat that that sparked us thinking, oh, and then yeah. do a dive into the ideas um, that we heard uh, on stage that night. Very cool. My appetite has been <laughs> I don't know if wet or whatever. You know, my my appetite yeah. is. Uh, I, I'm hungry. I'm yep. hungry for this. All right. Can't wait to go see it. Uh, congratulations, really, Ben Lilly, on Thank everything you. you've accomplished so far, not just in your career, but in building Caveat with your co-founder. What a great idea, something that should exist. And I'm really hoping that New York is just the very first city that this exists in. Um, That's also in the long-term plan, yes. I bet it is. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and um, what a great – how, well, how thank, smart thank am I for booking you as a guest, shall Brilliant. I say? Um, <laughs> well, thank you for having me. This has been fun. Yeah. All right. Well, this is close to the end of the show, which means one thing, and that means it's going to be end of show food. So that is right after that. Should we be excited, Elsie? Yes. If it's rat, I'm going to be sad. I swear it's not rat. Okay. That's coming up next. Connect with the show at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you.
All right, it is the end of the show, which means it is time for... End of show food. That's right, end of show food. That is the part of the show where Elsie shares with us what she... She scours the world. She goes to online. She visits shops in her travels. She finds cool things. She brings them back. It could be jerky. It could be a weird drink. It could be a weird chip. It could be made of chicken. It could be made of cherries. It could be, I don't know. I'll go on and on. All I can say is you never freaking know. And here's the rules. Can't eat it till she says go. Okay. Because she likes to describe it as she should. And once we try whatever it is she's got, our duty is to rate it Hmm. on a scale of chickens. Mm-hmm. You make up your own scale, whatever number of chickens you want it to be out of. So cool. it could be 45 out of 80 chickens or whatever. And that's our rating scale. You can like it, not like it. It's up to you. So with all of that put aside, yeah. what the heck you got for us for your first end of show food for 2020? Well, they're made by Lay's, but they're not what you're used to. Okay. It's exciting. These have... Crab and hot peppers on the front. <laughs> Showing you guys amazing. what it is. Um, and these are from uh, Taiwan. So if you can read Taiwanese, you could help me out because I don't know what it says. But anyhow, we're going to taste this. Now, can't you use like Google Translate or something? To, like, we could, but I didn't do it. You didn't do it? Um, no. All right, so here we go. Ready? All right, so these are it, it, this is just a regular bag of chips, but it's in well, it's, it's, Taiwanese. Or, what's what language mm-hmm. is Taiwanese? Is that Chinese? What is Taiwanese? Taiwan. Taiwanese. Is Taiwanese. Yeah. Is Taiwanese is, is from okay. Taiwan. See, that's how naive I am about all the languages and the people. Well, there so, you go. Um, so okay, so what right, is it so, you, so we're expecting to you guys crab smell and spicy. It. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, because there's crab one, and spicy. Two, Doesn't it sound like that would be like a soap company or something? Yeah. There's like five or six. No, no, seven. Eight. There's eight pictures of chilies on the on the package. Yeah, so spicy so crab. Eight we're chilies is spicy crab. All right, so Elsie right, so is going around passing them out. Uh, all of the uh, that's good. Whatever it's called, we don't even know what it's. It it smells. I don't know what it smells like. Like shrimp chips. Oh, they're a weird texture. They don't. They don't feel like regular potato chips. I mean, most potato chips don't smell like much, whatever their flavor is. All right. So. So. Um, yeah, I expected a really seafoody smell, but mm-hmm. no. Um, All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. One, two, three, go. Yeah. There is a little seaweedy, fishy. Yeah, I can taste the crab. It I do crab. not taste any hot. Kind of pepper it, thing though. Yep, it's Deal. that potato chip like back back draft hot. Mm. Yeah, there. You know, I said mm, but I don't know if I mean mm. I mean <laughs> more like <laughs> you mm. don't mean. <laughs> I mean, mm. Mm. they're not. It's not things that make you go. Mm. <laughs> things that make you go. Elsie, mm. uh, pass that bag over. I've got the Google Translate up here. All right. Mm. So if you've never used Google Translate, there is a uh, way you can use your camera. And it will translate live in Taiwan. They speak Chinese, Mandarin Chinese. Okay, so I'm putting the Google Translate on this. And it says, Yogo is very spicy. Lay's National Spicy Spicy, it says. (laughs) It says, uh, 
million votes, bagel voting. I can't decide if it's million votes or bagel voting. Turn it over, please. Spicy Thai, spicy fried. Yeah, I got the fried crab thing, but I don't, I don't get the spicy part. Yeah. Season carefully with special crab pepper or selected peppers and fragrant crab. Hmm. Fragrant. Absolutely exciting and delicious. Well, that's true. Well, I, the fact Crazy that you said spicy mm, taste. And you don't want any more, I don't think there's the delicious factor. <laughs> <laughs> Makes people want to stop. Eating it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Google Translate problem. <laughs> so good you'll have to stop anyway this is a very i have to say i have not completely eaten my pile yet because i have questions <laughs> I have so many questions yeah. all right so uh how many uh chickens do you give this very unusual food uh mr lily well um as a shout out to my fellow physicists i give it 137 which is a number that just means a lot to physicists why does it mean a lot to physicists it's uh there's something called the uh, fine structure constant, which is just a very important number, and it's 1 over 137. No, so that's right. Mm. I should give it a 1 137th of a chicken. That is, so that is, is my rating. So is that your number of chickens that your score is out of? Or is that the number of No, that's score? the number I'm giving it. And I'm, I'm not many? disclosing how many. I think out of one. Oh. All right. <laughs> just out of respect to the crabs? Or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Elsie? Um, I think I'm going to give it, like, uh, 17 out of 72. Yeah. I'm really disappointed. I'm going to give it... Um, I would never buy it again. I'm. It's not disgusting. Hmm. It's not awful. But it's blah. I'm it's giving not, it it's just disappointing. 271 out of 1,100 chickens for me. Yeah. It, it was... Um, I'm glad I tried it. Yep. It's not going to make me throw up, but I would never have it again. And you know who would really hate it? Oh, Danielle. Danielle. No, every part of it she'd hate. The only redeeming thing would be that it's not as hot as it's advertised, and she'd be like, oh, oh, good, good, because she hates spicy stuff. All right. Well, thank you very much, Elsie, for this. I really enjoyed You're it. You're welcome. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, and again, big, big thanks to Ben Lilly for being on the show. It was so nice to meet you, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful it was great. Yeah, story. Thank you. Turns out this was better than getting my medications. <laughs> see you you didn't even know Winner. you know exactly well that's it for this great episode of funny people talking everybody thank you so much thank you lc as always thanks danielle we miss you uh that's it everybody we'll see you next week and until then stay funny that's it that's the end of the show boy uh boy what a crack this was funny people talking no portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at at Mouth Media Network or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Connect.